0: tis the season for a special episode like the christmas carol we'll visit the past present and future including giving you the origin story of your favorite podcast holy moly the podcast is coming to town happy holidays you know me as mr t i also go by tom whichever you please to call me by. i'll go by it I'm excited to look back at our holy moly background and how those friendships have evolved to over 70 episodes and a national organization. That's the truth, and we'll get into it. Find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and more from myself and the Pink Putter at a couple of and on social media at couple Putts. If you're looking for a course in hole design work, you can go to minigolfdesigners.com and we have some merch at minigolfgoods.com. Sometime in the new year, we'll talk about a number of courses that we are working on. But one of them that got announced recently is that we are working on a nine-hole course with the Morton Arboretum in suburban Chicago. So been working on that. That'll come alive in the spring slash summer and we'll be excited for you all to get a chance to play that really fun course.
1: I'm Pat, the co-founder of the mini golf website and social media conglomerate, The Putting Penguin. I'm not sure whoever thought December would be a slow mini golf month, but it's been crazy on all fronts as we've been wrapping up 2023 in a variety of different places. We're preparing for 2024, and I think I say this every episode. I'm hoping to get caught up on a lot of the Putting Penguin stuff <laughs> as the snow starts to fly, but I'm sure that will change the moment you know the calendar flips over to January and we start actually doing tournaments months earlier than we ever had before in the ama which we'll talk a little bit about so uh if you are following along you can find all of our penguin mini golf antics by looking for putting penguin on most of the social media outlets you can visit our website at theputtingpenguin.com and while you're out there scrolling don't forget to follow the podcast mini accounts across social media and finally, since you're clearly in love with our podcast, make sure you're liking, subscribing, and giving us a great review wherever you choose to listen to podcasts, because I do like to look on things like Spotify and see how many stars we have. So, it'll make us happy this holiday season.
0: And in case you didn't know it, this is the official podcast of the American Mini Golf Alliance, the AMA. You already know that we both helped found this organization, and we're looking to help grow the game of mini golf in It's many, many forms in the U.S., and we'd love to have you on board. And if you want to join us, become a member at amaminigolf.com. I'll be sending out membership cards for new members probably early in 2024. But I would say if you are registering right now or if you want to renew early for 2024, go ahead and do that. We're going to make a big push in the new year to have members renew Uh, Membership was free in 2023 thanks to our membership sponsor, Walkabout Mini Golf. We'll mention them later. And we're proud to share that membership will remain free in 2024 as we continue to grow. And that is in part thanks again to Walkabout Mini Golf committing to be a sponsor in the new year. They're a favorite. We can't say enough good things about them. And I've spent lots of time playing Walkabout in the last couple of weeks as we don't really have any in-person events in Minnesota, even though we don't have snow or sub-zero weather yet, which is even sub-zero weather for the Celsius folks, we we haven't been hitting that. I'm going out and walking the dog and not like having to like wear like three layers of everything. So it's,
1: it's been warm. And eventually, I'm going to have to buy another Oculus headset because my kid has been playing Walkabout Mini Golf and not me. So I mean, it's guess good, but good for everybody if I got to buy more. But uh, yeah, looking forward to diving into that also when I got some time off from work these next couple of weeks. So before getting to the meat of our podcast today, we do have a couple of recent news things that we just want to go through. Uh, the first is we've been trying to follow along with what PopStroke has been doing for 2024, and And thus far, we haven't seen any words on any sort of national tour for them and have, in fact, heard some rumors that there won't be anything beyond the local leagues that they're running throughout the year at the various different locations. So I know this has been a topic on a lot of different episodes where we've tried to say what the future of that is and we'll continue to watch and obviously talk about if there's something more official or we get deep into the year and don't see anything. Uh, So interesting development on that front. But if you're looking to play on a pop stroke course competitively, we do want to give a shout out to the National Putting Tour. Their event is on January 28th, and that's at the course in Orlando. Um, so you can go check them out. Um, Brock was a guest of the podcast a few, well, seems like a few episodes ago. I can't even remember. It was probably early spring when we actually had him on talk about NPT. But you can go check out nationalputtingtour.com. We'll have the link in the Description of the episode if you're looking to get out there early this year. And honestly, Orlando in in January is not the worst place to be.
0: No, and it's about the same time as last year when they had the tour event in Orlando, which is funny. But yeah, it seems from everything I've heard that the focus will be on local leagues that look awesome. Honestly, if I lived in any cities with a pop stroke course and having a weekly thing that I could show up to for a seven-week run would be awesome. I'm sure people like Gary Schiff that have a new course near him in Southern Florida would be excited. But yeah, everything that I've heard is that it's on hold. That is like kind of the rumor mill slash what have you. Guillaume or Popstroke organizers, we'd love to have you on if you want to talk about it. But it sounds like they might do one, maybe two big events, and that's it. I know the organization is planning on big, big growth and maybe they're just gonna wait. You know, we've talked about that they've got courses all across the, you know, southern part of the United States and Tennessee and South Carolina and Vegas popping up. So maybe they're just gonna let that all work itself out, which makes sense. I mean, even last year when they announced their tour championship, that they anticipated a course being open in Scottsdale that maybe opened a month before the event, which that might be the freshest a course has been played on that <laughs> big of a stakes tournament all year, and yeah, it'll be interesting because we went through a year where we had the most and the largest purses across the world with the Wag Tour. That's hat that has a big purse coming up. We had World Putting League, and then Popstroke was the big money spender and they were all kind of taking and putting world actually in Arizona they were all kind of taking aim at the you know the Masters and Open which combined used to have the largest combined purses and attracted the most amount of people but all these people are coming in but they're not getting it right and you had kind of said early on MSOP the major series of putting which had preceded pop stroke with the same organizers different organizations with the same people who are organizing both organizations, they were, they were shining too brightly, and they seemed too good to be true, and they were. And, and it all goes back to what we probably beat into the ground too much, is that it's not really affordable. Even some of those big purses, if you figure out what you're spending for a tournament, were not there yet. But it's nice to see that there's excitement and energy about trying to figure out how to grow the competitive game in a different way. It's surely not what we're doing in the AMA, which we'll touch on <laughs> later. It It's just hard. It's hard to get people to let go of money without giving them some assurances that that money will have a return on investment. And if you look at those purses and what it takes to organize that, that's a lot of money. And we don't see courses, even pop stroke, being that profitable and not profitable from tournaments. They're profitable because the public at large is enjoying going there and having drinks and playing mini golf, not competing.
1: Yeah. And I would say that type of tournament, the more I think about it and it, which makes sense kind of given its origins from MSOP and being in base and stuff. And it's, it's a little bit more akin to gambling. You know, it's, mm. there's a short, it, there's short tournaments, it's big money, it's big return. And if you're somebody who lights that type of risk, that's very appealing, but it is very hard to maintain that. So there's definitely a space for it. It'll be interesting to see if, and we've talked about this, right? Like, is there a way to make that type of interaction with people sustainable over it? And maybe it's just less of those types of tournaments, you know, during the year. You know, it's a couple big flashes in the plan because like you said, there are people who like that. And I think that's great to have it. And, uh, you know, we'll just keep our eye on it.
0: I mean, if you're the Swedes or Gary Hester or people that were finishing in the top five, you know, like Staz and Chris Johnson, they definitely don't want it to go away. The problem is, is the people lower down the the rungs of the, the rankings. What's the incentive for them? And I think that's a thing that we think about in the AMA. You know, it's like, how do you keep everybody engaged in growing the game? You just can't focus on the top 1%. Uh, which I won't even go any further with
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> or you can, you just, it's It's a different business model, right? Like you right. have to, you, you, it's very hard to have it both ways. And I yeah. think, you know, like you mentioned, from the AMA perspective, we'll talk about a little bit. We recognize that and kind of pivoted to one side. It'll be interesting yeah. to see if Popstroke can pivot and stay on that other side.
0: And if you hadn't listened to our last podcasts and you're a fan of the AMA should go take a look back at them. We kind of wrapped up the season and then we had a players meeting, which we were really happy with how that turned out. We had a lot of participation. We had a number of questions, as I mentioned, that were about our upcoming January tournament in Massachusetts, as well as really nice feedback from people that had been playing in various tournaments across the country. Congrats again, Aaron Kaminsky. He is our 2023 season winner. And we're still taking feedback on the previous season. We'll share out the links uh, from the AMA and the podcast to fill out that survey. We really are interested in it. I can tell you that we've had early conversations where we're making some tweaks to some tiebreakers, how points are distributed, and all of that. And all of that survey probably influenced it almost too much. I think it led to even more and deeper conversations than we'd initially been thinking. And that's what we wanted because we know as players out there that you're going to have a different perspective than, you know, if you're an organizer out there and you're just watching things happen, you're seeing the results, you might just be getting selective feedback from the people that love it. We want to hear people who've got some complaints that didn't win events, you know, and take it with a grain of salt. And see if they have a point, because if people don't think that it's worth participating in these tournaments because they're not fair or that the there's no way to compete without spending a ton of money, then we're kind of going against what we want to do, which is grow the game across the board. If we're only appealing to a handful of people, it's it's going into the same same issues that mini golf has had over the years that you have a very 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 small amount of people playing the game competitively and a lot of those people are mad that it didn't grow but you have to do things that appeal to beyond the core diehard folks to make it fun which sometimes is getting a little off the very super hyper focused competitive thing and it's thinking outside the box and that's what we're trying to do and sometimes we're right and sometimes we're way off
1: right and i think that's the important thing to take away you know from the ama right like it is competitive but fun we are trying to craft something that is different than all the other organizations in that respect right because there's as we've talked about there's plenty of competitive and highly competitive putting organizations and we don't necessarily want or need to be that and i think we're just trying to make sure that we're growing smartly with our resources, yep. not overextending because we always talk about what could do there. Cause I mean, my worst, my worst fear is we try to get to something like 40 and 50 tournaments and we start to fall yeah. behind and don't post things or don't get score. Yep. And then, yep. you know, we recreate all of the same problems that we have had constructive feedback about yep. in different places. So um, I I'm glad everybody has been giving their voices. You know, we definitely have been looking at it, trying to make, sure that we take the right incremental steps that benefit everybody. And like you said, Tom, and I tell people at work all the time, we're going to make a decision. And sometimes those decisions will be wrong and we'll reflect on them when they are Uh and we'll keep moving forward.
0: And, And one thing that even me playing overseas a bunch this year in a lot of long tournaments and even domestically was this push internally, like maybe everything should be minimum three rounds and what have you. And The fact of the matter is, in our survey, minus a few diehard, long-time competitive mini-golfers, most people are pretty happy with the length, the cost, the purses, and all of that in our tournaments. So, and, And we know this also from the amount of participants. We had over 400 people play in our tournaments. Again, I say our broadly because we are not controlling them, but we are working with organizers that are trying to reach a broad audience with the hope that, they connect up more. So um yeah, we you'll you'll hear more about the AMA schedule uh coming up in the next few weeks. We're not going to like dump it all because there's a few things that need to be confirmed, but I can definitively say this is going to be a longer and busier season than last year. We expect to have events in January going through November, especially with the virtual events which will probably happen in November again. But We've already had conversations with the folks that run the Southern Swing. As you know, the Putters League Championship last year was part of it and talked with that organizer group. And we expect not only the three and maybe four Southern Swing events that are going to be really awesome once they get announced, that those will be part of the AMA, but we're expecting some smaller events that would be red tournaments on different courses run by those organizers that are just doing a great job. And if you know the Southern Swing, you know the people involved, but we're not going to get too far into it because we don't want to spoil the really awesome announcements they have coming along. I know we're excited and we're trying to figure out how do we travel down there to play with those folks? Because frankly, you've got a base down there with Brian Akers and Kyle Cutshaw Danny Baddeley and the people that they've gotten involved in playing competitive mini golf more seriously. That's a really fun. I had a blast at putters league and yeah, going to be looking at that calendar and figuring out how to get down there, but more to come, but we're probably not going to hit 30 and that'll be great. We're going to have five to six or maybe even up to nine events more than last year. We're not going crazy expanding out in the tiers that we're already, or the areas that we're already in. But we want to like add in tournaments where we have a lot of energy and excitement and people running them, and that's what we already did. That we announced two of those O Street slash like East Coast tournaments. The owner of Prodigy, Jeff, is excited about running a tournament, and Biggie in the O Street crew wanted to one run one up at Jen's Links, and we know that they are going to do a good job, get a good purse, and. We're excited to see how those come together, and that's kind of what we're looking for. And again, you can go back to those past episodes and get a little bit more of our thinking, but yeah.
1: All right. We are on to what is going to be our favorite part of this episode, because holy moly, we're on Netflix. We can add Netflix to the list of streaming services that people can watch us do silly stuff on, um, which I think was very excited. I can't remember if we actually mentioned this on one of the early episodes that, that was Coming on, I know we talked about it on the socials a bit as it came on. Um, you know, it doesn't feel like it should be a huge thing, but I think you know people relatively know Netflix more than Hulu. Although I just saw that Disney is doing more through Disney Plus Hulu stuff as well. So I saw that. Love to see eventually. I would have to imagine we're going to end up there, but we thought this would be a good time because considering the the history of the podcast, you know, we didn't start talking about Holy Moly until we had done our live Facebook in season two that started during the, the COVID lockdown period. So there's an entire season that Tom and I have never really dived into other than making some references to our particular time on the show. So we thought now was a good time as it moved on to the, a new streaming service. We, we got some time around the holidays here to Maybe not give it the full podcast uh, deep dive that we normally do with some of the episodes, but you know we'll talk about Tom's, we'll talk about mine, we'll talk about the season in general. Um, right now, season one and two have been added. They came on December first. I swear, I just saw something that said season three and season four were coming potentially in January. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, Tom. nice. I did not. Um, yeah, it's you know one of the Google you know feed alerts. Came yeah. I think it saw that. So. Uh, I'll I'll keep an eye on it but I do like that you know I open up the the app and it's got hey newly added holy moly under the reality show so it's pretty cool <laughs> to see it there uh, I do know some folks have been watching it on there
0: I've definitely got texts from people about that I, I the people that probably didn't know me almost 5 years ago uh when we did this were like hey what episode are you on that that has been A constant thing. And it's weird because the episode numbers are ordered a little different. So I have to give the names and have to look them up.
1: Yeah, I did notice that looking for our episodes, and I obviously knew the names of it. But I was like, wait a second, Tom's episode isn't where I thought it was going to be in the list of the episodes. Um, I think
0: it's still in the same place. Is Robbins same? isn't for sure.
1: Oh, Rob, I w- maybe it was Robbins. I was looking at. one of them. I was just like, wait a second, it should have been here. And you're right. And I had pinged Tom this story last week. I was at my kid's karate dojo, and mm-hmm. the master there comes over, and he goes, "Hey, I was in Florida this past weekend, hanging out, and the bar had Netflix on, and I look up, and he." shows me a phone his phone where he took a picture because I was on the TV <laughs> playing holy moly and he was like hey I know that guy he's the parent of one of my kids or, or my the two kids who come over here so it's definitely got a a second life coming to it which is yeah cool for us
0: yeah and it's it'll be interesting to talk through season 1 because I think when we talk about the particulars of it It goes back to when we were looking at this open casting for the show, which would have been in late 2018, and they were casting for a reality show around mini golf that at the time they were calling Mega Miniature Golf. And no surprise, Pat, having played and reviewed as many courses as he has, he's, he's hearing about it. We heard about it and I shared something and then someone from casting wrote and said, hey, let's hear your story. And it just kept moving along and it had these big periods of time where nothing was going on. And Pat and I were, you know, knew of each other. We knew of our reviews. We'd been in touch. We'd done some articles with Mini Golf News and we're like, did you hear from this thing? Yeah. Are you going to apply? Yeah. And, you know, a little in touch about what's happening. And it's like, eventually it came down to, so are you going to go? It's going to be in April in California. The date moved multiple times. We weren't sure how long we were going to have to be there, but it ended up being, we're going to have to be there for a full week. They're not paying for airfare. They're going to give us a hotel and some small per diem stuff. But even the format, was completely unknown and we got on a plane we took a late night flight to california when we headed out and when we landed the news literally had just hit steph curry's producing a competitive mini golf show and we're like wait what because they connected it with wriggle which that got spoiled out there we were exchanging messages you see this that seems like rob Riggle's connected the show well that's cool because we didn't even know we knew it was like some ABC affiliate, right? Like they told us that
1: we we knew it was going to be ABC by the time we filmed.
0: By the time we filmed, but before that, it was sort of like it's in the ABC family, so it's like is well, it going yeah, to be I like guess Disney it wasn't, yeah, minus right. like at
1: some point we knew it, right. It was that whole ABC, ESPN, Disney because we had to sign contracts and stuff. So that's where you, know, you got that. first And bit physicals, of it. we had yeah. to pass well, physicals, and physicals, yeah, and we had I mean, to tell they, them
0: whether we could swim or not, which. All of these things gave us these like weird little Easter eggs. Well, it was
1: eggs. even weirder for me because I had done a little bit more cuz they'd reached out in my role as the WMF mm. person as well and so they were trying to get, you know, facts and information just about mini golf as a you know, a state of the sport and and stuff and then I was even in contact with them because they came down and did interviews at the Masters that year. Mm-hmm. And they were originally going to do Zoom Interviews And then, like, one of the producers, like, pinging me, like, hey, do you think we could just show up in person? And I was like, first of all, I don't know why you're asking me, but sure. Like, here's the probably the better days to, like, don't show up on Thursday and think a lot of people are going to give you the time of day at yeah. the Masters. Um uh, So, yeah, it was this weird, like, choppy experience. And then, right, going through, g- getting the physicals, not knowing when you were going out there. I mean, I had to move my shooting time. They actually were pretty... Uh, accommodating because at one point they're like, you need to show up then. And I was like, well, first of all, I've told you like seven times I can't show up then because I got kids and I got to do stuff. And they're like, all right, well, can you show up then? And I was like, well, yep, that would mean a all day flight red eyeing out there. But yeah, I could do that. And you're, you're right. Like absolutely zero idea what we were getting ourselves into at the end of the day.
0: And for me, I was working two different jobs part time where I was managing some events and design projects that were literally happening in their biggest peak during that period of time. One of them I was going to have to be late to and I was told, and this is an organiza- a music organization where we run an annual conference where we have two staff. So I had to, while I was out there, like commit to trying to be active in work and immediately landing... That was out the door. Steph Curry's connected the show. At the time, my favorite basketball player. And we had like a day or two to recover, and we were doing interviews at the hotel before I got to go out and play on that, I believe Friday night. But people had played the first two nights. And so here's a little behind the scenes. So there was essentially the first round of season one was filmed over five nights. There was four nights where... They sent out a group of almost 100 people each night where they were to play two holes. All of them would play one hole in the first part of the evening starting at 9 p.m. Then they would take lunch, quote-unquote, at midnight. And then at 1 a.m., they would finish up on the second hole with the idea being everything's at night. So you record it during the winter. The sun's not going to be popping up super early or staying up super late, so you can do it then. And it's also why everybody looks really cold because it was in the Santa Clarita area on the Sable Ranch, which is like a film set that they use for Westerns and all sorts of stuff. And it was chilly for people in California. It was, you know, 40 degrees colder at home in Minnesota. But yeah, we were out there and I had talked to some people in the hotel. We were waiting to do these interviews and we were like, Are you on this thing? And they're like, yeah. And one of the first people that I had met was Joey Deprima I was with him and... uh Molly Peterson now Hughes I believe we were just sitting in the lobby of a hotel in Santa Clarita forever waiting to do our interviews and I couldn't have been more nervous I feel like I just completely like bombed in my interviews because I just like the stakes went from this could be a cool thing that we should do to oh my god this is gonna be on a real network and Up to that point, I'd played in a tournament that was like some person had organized with their friends. And Robin and I had been doing a couple of putts for a number of years, but I didn't play in tournaments. I didn't play in almost any. They were all like really small, non-competitive, non-affiliated things. So I think for me, my anxiety was just through the roof and my excitement was through the roof. And I was going to be the first... To go out because Robin was going to be going out on a different night and they kind of separated couples when they did that stuff and family members, which there was quite a few of and put them out on different nights. So I go out there on a I'm going out there on a Friday night with like a bunch of random people I didn't know. And it was it was just a trip. Um, And I'll go more into that. But, you know, like what was your lead up to it like for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was just worry about the travel and stuff. I mean, luckily I have a job that I was somewhat flexible. I did try to do some work while I was out there too, since we were shooting at night. So, you know, had some of the day, even though we were trying to sleep and recover to get some stuff done and obviously couldn't tell people too much in terms of what I was doing other than, Hey, I'm going to shoot for a show. That's about all I can know right now. So there there was a lot of stress around that. And then, yeah, getting out there, I mean, flying cross country. And then we had gotten in touch because my interview wasn't until like 11 o'clock that night. So we mm-hmm. went out to dinner, um, you know, met you guys in person for the first time, had a chance to have dinner, you know, talked a little bit about the whole situation, and everything. And then, right, I'd get, we went down and whatever my time was for the interview, the interview did not happen at that time. So, it's like going on. Like I <laughs> remember distinctly going in and the, the makeup person being like, he, you have any like eye drops or anything? Your eyes are pretty red. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I've been up for like 18 hours or something stupid and flown across country. Now you're going to sit me in a chair and I got to try to like pretend to be personable because again, it was like, yeah, now this thing is real. So, it was, um, it was interesting. I mean, I, I think... You know, before going out for the first shoot, it started to sit in. It was like, I don't care what happens, I just can't lose immediately. Right? Like, and that's the the mantra I think that just take it. I can't lose immediately and I've gotta make sure that I keep as much of my personality as I can, knowing that You know, the yes. producers, they're, they didn't necessarily feed us lines, but right, there's they're directing something. It's a reality television. We all know how this goes. They're trying to make storylines. You know, they have you re-say things. They're going to cut stuff a different way. So, that I was always conscious of, like, knowing this is going to get edited, trying not to say something that would really put me or have the potential to put me in a light that I wasn't – I want to say – I wasn't worried about it being unfavorable, but just being like neutral maybe is the word. So like that, I think was the the hardest part. And not and I don't like not an extrovert either. So like sitting in front of all these lights and everything. So there was a lot of like non actually going out there and putting the ball thoughts that were going through my head.
0: Yes, and I am way more cynical about reality TV and remain cynical about reality TV because I'd seen enough where it's like and read enough where. They are trying to put people in emotionally compromised positions, not necessarily maliciously, but that's what those schedules end up doing. These aren't actors. These are human beings. You put them in emotionally compromising positions. You let them know they're going to be on TV. You know, if you kind of follow what they want you to say, they'll give you more airtime. And for me, they were, you know, frankly, feeding me some stuff that wasn't the type of person that I wanted to put out in the world. I want to be fun loving. And I think that's why they ended up calling me the mini golf guru, because I was just like very much about supporting the people I was playing with, having fun and just staying alive. Because that was the thing that I didn't know until I got out on set was the way that it was organized was it was one-on-one and you're going to have to play against another person. And you could go home after that night. We were booked there for a week and I didn't know that. So the first night I get out there, I'm pulling up and I see these massive windmills and course and lighting. And my brain was just like over, was already overwhelmed and I wasn't sleeping. It was beyond that. It was a lucid, drug, manic experience for me where in the end I lost 10 pounds that week. I was getting refitted for my suit for my wedding after that trip and the guy that i put that had me put on my suit he's like what happened you were just in here we just (laughs) measured you and i'm like i don't even know honestly i don't know what happened but this is like another behind the scenes thing of season one is that we found out right away that that first night where you play two holes you could in theory in the first round play a third hole if you split results one, one, and one, one, the other. Or if you tied on any of the holes, you were automatically coming back to a tiebreaker night, which was going to be that following Tuesday. So a lot of people were waiting. Filming started on a Wednesday. I was on the third night on a Friday. And for our night, what we did is we started off on Dutch Courage, the original, and then we went to slip and putt. And then... You know, the people who played that. (laughs) Which, by the way, is the
1: right order to do those two things as opposed to the way they had us do it.
0: (laughs) And so your night, they went the opposite order. So they went slip and putt.
1: slip and putt and then Dutch Courage.
0: And the first night was the only night that Steph Curry was on set because everybody asked us. They did the Caddy Smack on the first half of the night. And then they did the Arc de Tri-Golf the second half of the night. That hole was played again, the second night along with teed off, which was used in the second round as well. So those are the holes that were in the first round. But the funny thing is, that's why me and Pat and Robin Ventura and my wife and Randy Rice, we all actually played identical holes. And those of us that went to a tiebreaker played the identical tiebreaker, which was surfer turf. So yeah. And then You know, there was only 10 holes on the first season. So that was a couple of them. Second round, they added in log roll and they added in uh, when there was also sweet spot was the other tiebreaker. And then they added in log roll and then they added in the distractor, which we'll get to. And then everybody in the finals played on Mount Holy Moly because we were doing these big grouped nights of filming we kind of didn't know what episode we were on until it aired because, and we kind of had a sense, but there were, there were these brackets and you kind of didn't know who was on the other side of your bracket. When I go back, there are a bunch of people in my episode that I never met and we'll get to that in our episodes. But you know, I, I weirdly knew though, and you did as well, Pat, from playing that first night, you knew someone from every episode because they were using people from right. every episode throughout the season so it made the whole season have this odd interesting stakes cuz you're like oh this is this person's episode or that person's episode and then there you're like oh that's that person that I saw in the in the hotel so it's uh it's it's super funny to look back at that now but yeah it was all of this is just like a weird setup. And what we found out the first night was there's going to be one winner per episode. They're the only people that are going to win money and they're going to win 25000 And that that first year, that was a best of two. And that's the only season they've done it, understandably. Um, and then the other thing that was really strange that we'll, in, in retrospect, looking back at it, is they were really trying to fit in Six first round matches and 12 people per episode of 45 minutes once you cut out the commercials. And you're like, wow, that's that's a lot of people to tell stories about. While we... I mean, if I'm to add up the amount of time that I was filmed, interviewed, doing all these little things, at least three hours, maybe two, it felt longer. But... You know, you think about the initial interviews after each hole they did interviews, the drive up in the golf cart, these weird little, uh, you know, like things, you know, I can talk about in my episode they did. It was just like a trip. You felt like you were in this weird magical land and, you you know, you start to add it up. It's like, well, they're going to have to edit this stuff to make these episodes work. And a lot of this isn't going to be used. But the amount that wasn't, I think we've talked about in later seasons because... It was really evident in season one that this is a new show. These people had worked on Wipeout. It was in the same place that they'd filmed Wipeout, but they kind of didn't know what they were going to get until the show was happening. I think they thought it'd be more adversarial maybe. And they were pushing that angle, I think with some people, but it wasn't that.
1: Yeah. And it was interesting thinking about that first round format and i probably that has a lot to do with it of just like, right. We were all doing the math and like, how are we going to show, especially if you go to a tie break, like how are they going to format all? Because none of us sat there and like, Oh, they're only going to show one hole. Right? right. Like initially, right. Like you didn't, that really didn't cross your mind until you, know, you got later and you started to hear different things, but it was like, well, that makes sense. They don't know what they're going to get. If they shoot two holes, at least they've got something to pick from right? that should look good. and, and, it gives the people an opportunity. You're right. Like, I, I don't know that they're, I think some of it, they definitely were pushing adversarial. I think they wanted at least a friendly competition vibe. Like they, they wanted you out there and and obviously like you want to win, but I, at least in my producers, the side of it, they weren't pushing too hard to be like, you know, go out there and go go for the kill sort of thing which would have been funny to as we'll get to the distractor like I can't imagine me and Diane doing that no. <laughs> anyways but no. um, so but having two holes also gave you a little bit of a chance to I guess develop a bit of a rapport with the person you were playing with in the first Completely. round you know versus just being thrown out there so yeah it was trying to wrap yourself all around that and then trying to actually figure out the putting on top of that was interesting and I have to say the same thing like I got to, you know, the drive out there, I got to sit next to Evan Michael, who ended up going up against, you know, Robin on slip and Putt. And luckily, here's a guy who grew up in Massachusetts, so we had some stuff to just, like, shoot the crap about on the drive up and kind of put at least me a little bit more at ease. I think he was probably a little bit better given his, you know, show business background and everything. But pulling onto that set is just like, holy crap, like, (laughs) A, what have I gotten myself into, but B, like, can I just... Hang out here for like a few days because it looks absolutely awesome.
0: That was that was my immediate thought, and was probably not the best. Was this is going to be fleeting? I don't want to leave here, and probably led to my busy mind just being too crazy. But it, everybody I met on the bus ride over in the lobby, everybody was just really nice. We had like very few exceptions. And when we got into the tents and we we're all waiting because you're getting people in wardrobe and you're getting maybe some touch up on makeup, we're all in these tents just waiting. And immediately, what do I see people doing? They're playing Uno. They're getting to know each other's life stories. You're hearing all these interesting backgrounds. You're like, oh, man, these people grew up like this or they had this crazy thing happen. You're, you're like, this is really interesting. And it didn't feel as adversarial as I kind of expected. Because that's sort of the way I see like a lot of reality TV is they're trying to pull on different threads and see what kind of drama comes out of it, which is even more present in reality TV now. But that was sort of my fear. And it was the exact opposite. And weirdly, I was immediately as people were coming back in from playing, like, how'd you do and what what happened and, and all of this, I was like a m- more compelled to like know how people did on their holes and... Yeah, I mean, it, it it was it was really kind of and find out people what they were doing on Instagram, whether they were mini golf people and why they were there, and you found out that a lot of people, even though the show portrays it as such, they weren't really big mini golf people, but they're just nice, interesting, idiosyncratic people. Some were big personalities off off camera, and others were just lit up when they were on camera. I I don't know what I did because I. You know, as we get into my episode, didn't really get to see much of my experience. And it was just kind of like weird once that episode finally came out. um, You know, I just didn't know what to expect. And yeah, I mean, let's just go into it. uh, Because I guess it's in our little run of show, even though my episode was later this season. It came out. So, we could go
1: out of order if we want. I just put yours first. <laughs>
0: yeah, let's, let's go with yours because... I think it matters when it came up because by the time the episodes were coming on for us, we had already seen Robin Ventura and Evan Michael and Evan Rundgren's episode in episode two. We'd seen Mick and Diane or we'd seen Mick's episode and we had a good sense of the format by then. I'd be lying if I said we weren't a little bit like disappointed that we didn't see more putting. But we kind of knew where things sat, but we kind of didn't know the results of a bunch of holes until it was aired, which is really weird.
1: Yeah, and it aired just before 4th of July, so like Mm -hmm. right after, like the week after. And I remember we were, Robin and I were in Sweden playing for Team USA like the week before it was airing. So we were all, you know, a lot of questions. People were like, and we were just like, we don't know. We don't know (laughs) what it's going to look like. (laughs) We're we're anxious to find out too. So yeah, so by the time we got to, so my episode was episode five. So we had seen a few things, right? So I, I had an idea of, all right, well, this is the way they've cut the stuff. We obviously knew at that point they were only showing one hole from the first round. So I was starting to think like, okay, I was lucky I didn't get to the tiebreaker, which means I'm either showing Dutch courage or slip and putt. Which one are they gonna pick? I was like in <laughs> my head thinking about like all the stupid <laughs> stuff I did on both of the holes, and just you know, you had now gotten a sense of what the commentary was gonna be like and and all of that. And so um, yeah, a, lo- a little bit of anticipation and again, just sitting there going like, Oh, I hope this this turns out well. And obviously you know the results. And you start to have watch parties and stuff like that. And, yeah, people are sitting there. I didn't tell.
0: We'll get to that.
1: Yeah. I think the only, I know the only person who knew the results was my wife. I didn't tell anybody else going into it. So, she knew what happened uh, and didn't even know the details. She just knew whether or not I had won or lost. So, yeah, she was watching it from the start. So, so, uh, so my episode is called An Outbreak of Ginger Fever. God knows how they pick some of these names for these episodes, so in case you're looking for it on Netflix, it doesn't say Episode 5. That's at least the title of the episode. And it started off with Teed Off. So, we had Eddie Vinson versus Matra D. Carter. And it was a pretty good uh, one to start off with. It was relatively quick, and we can talk about Teed Off probably when we get more to your episode. And... How some of the things went on that particular hole but you know the essential is your whatever amount of feet up in the air you got a four foot putt that was not a straight putt at the end of the day and it's make her go home and Nature d definitely went home lost her wig in the in the water so the first uh experience there of kicking that off and some of the funny stuff that went on there and then we moved on immediately to to dutch courage and we had Brandy Zapata and Juliet Fissel. So we had a personal assistant and a rugby player going up on Dutch Courage. And that was, um, you know, we can talk about it here because this was the first place we'll get to it. So this was the first iteration, right? So I almost forgot about not only did you have the two main windmills at that point in time but you had this little windmill in the middle yeah. that you had to hit through as well so you're you're trying to like manage all of these things and i had not played that very well when i did it and watching some of the camera angles i didn't realize the ball broke that much from left to right oh my god as it did watching some of those and um you know, it's it's fun to watch people on Dutch Courage. I think it was fun to play, and mostly because I didn't get knocked off <laughs> by the windmill, so I could say that. But, um, you know, as we, we went into it, uh, Brandy did um, all right as she went through. Poor Juliet got absolutely destroyed on the second windmill to the point where broke off pieces <laughs> when she got hit into it and I guess as a rugby player you're probably built pretty pretty well to take that sort of hit but you know that that's the type of stuff where when we started to see it in the season we're like oh we can really tell where this show is going to go in the future
0: well and this is I don't know if we have even talked about this but I was probably two groups behind them so we were all uh, okay. lining up in yep. a certain order behind them So I think Brandy and Juliet were two holes away. They never wanted you to see what was going on, especially for the putting. And then Katrina and the guy that she beat in the first round were in front of me. And oddly enough, like they went to a tiebreaker, but they showed Katrina winning. Um, But they were all out of my night. And I remember just hearing the pop from the crowd when (laughs) Juliet hit it. They're like, oh my God, some of it broke. And, you know, you started to get, a little nervous because none of us got to run through it. We all got to practice putting on Dutch courage and on slip and putt. Although I will say with slip and putt, they had not placed the blockers or the cup. When we played it, we only got to play the top part where the rebound around. I don't know if you got a putt on the lower green at all. We didn't. I don't
1: think we got to putt on the lower green. I think it was just on the top part.
0: So, that was even-handed and that makes sense because they they were very intentional about that. We had meetings with people about the fairness and if there's any cheating, you know, it all goes back to the quiz show scandal back in like, what was that, the 50s, you know, with all these TV game shows that they have to have certain rules. But yeah, they were in front of us and got crushed and I was like, oh no, like I'm worried. And I think you and I both know with Dutch Courage, not that many people, we were we were both there between the two nights and talked to people. Not many people got hit the first year, but they right. showed every time it happened. And that's when we sort of knew the show that they wanted. And as season two and three and four came along, it became Wipeout with some mini golf. But season one, very few people got hit by Dutch Courage in both those nights. I would be willing to say of the around 200 people that played it, Maybe 10%. And they showed all of them.
1: Yeah. And I remember I got lucky because we were shooting some B-roll stuff off to the side. So we could see Dutch Courage being played oh. for a few groups while we were shooting B-roll. Because, right, they tried to keep you as far away from the hole as yeah. possible for all that. So luck of the draw, just where I happened to be, I saw three or four groups go through it while we were doing some of the other stuff. And I was just like, all right, I I've figured out my strategy going up there, which are just basically like, you got to go when the blade's in front of you. Like that's the timing. You yeah, basically yeah. just get through. And I'm not the most athletic person in the world. So I was like, I just, I have to get through. Cause I knew if I got hit, I, I was going to be thrown off. Now this was before.
0: You knew I what kind of show make, too. too.
1: Well, it was also before I played <laughs> slip and pot too. True. So we'll talk about that as we get to that part of it, of where that plays. But in the, in the order of the episode, the next one we had was. Caddy Smack and we had the, the Battle of the Grandmas. And so this is where we get introduced to to my nemesis, Diane Cullen, Nick's mom, nicest <laughs> person in the world, and Celia Milius, and they um you know, they do the thing on on uh Caddyshack and I, I don't know if you remember Tom, you would watch more of the rewatched but did anybody not pick Steph Curry? No. To chip for them. Like, why would you, first of all? Although the robot is pretty cool. Like, if you're going to win that, you're going to pick Steph Curry. And his was all right on this one. The one on your episode, Steph's shot was, like, off the backboard into the other side of the court. Yeah. (laughs) That felt bad for the guy. I was like, well, that didn't work out too well for you. And then um, the last... Uh, well, not the last, the last before I get to, to my hole was Kevin Grant, who actually opened the episode, mm-hmm. the trombonist playing some of the Star-Spangled Banner, up against Alan Vega, who's an electrician on Arc the Tree Golf. And this is where we can talk for a moment, because it will come to play in your episode too, the editing, right? Oh, yeah. So in each of the episodes, because they had to cut through some of the stuff, some people really got short cut as they were coming out of commercial. So like Kevin and Alan, like they basically came back from commercial, like, Hey, these guys played this whole, here's who won and showed like 10 seconds of content. And, you know, looking back on it again, you're like, well, of course it's 45 minutes. You got to fit in all these other things. Like the math didn't math. And, you know, we know, and I think we've talked about on, maybe it was a live show. If not, we've talked about in the episode of like when weather came into play with, you know, sweet spot and stuff like that. So They did that. And then I get to have them. Well, Well, go ahead.
0: (laughs) So this one, there were photos that we would get from PR that would show things that happened. And there were even some highlights that were used from it where Alan was an aspiring actor, an Instagram person. I'd met him in the hotel and I don't think he had anything to do with mini golf, but he did like a flip somewhere on sweet spot And they didn't use it. They they really cut them short, but they went to three holes because they had tied on something. I I don't know why they didn't show more, but partially why Sweet Spot got shown very little. It was recorded on the first half of the night of the tiebreaker, and the weather was awful that night. They alluded to it in some other episodes, but the wind was blowing. Dust was kicking up. I can't even imagine how bad the audio was. On the players, let alone on any of the right. interviews that were done that night. Well, so. you saw it
1: in your episode with Liam yeah. Shatner. And, and you know they make a yep. lot of reference yep. too, because that's one of the episodes they showed a little bit more of that yep. hole actually being played. Um, and I remember that Arc the Tree Golf. That was the first – and I I think you had found it – somebody posted a picture basically on Instagram of yeah. them working on that. And that <laughs> so that was the very first yeah. thing I was like, what? the hell are we doing? <laughs> and yeah, I looked at it and I was like, there is no way I would survive playing that hole. And luckily didn't have to.
0: We got some stuff teased by Instagram and some other stuff. People were like sneaking stuff away from said And, you know, it just seemed like, what are we getting into? But yeah. Um, yeah. Let, let's jump though to you uh, so because.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'm playing slip and putt. My opponent was Madison Kaiser, who very nice young woman. But she got real, she didn't even get like a description of anything that she no. was, other that it was just Madison. And I, I it, okay, it made some space, like this single thing of re-watching it, and I was like, they actually gave me the title, the putting penguin, like yeah. as part of, like that was, and obviously we'll talk a little bit later when I get my introduction, they showed the website and everything, but like that alone, I was happy with, yeah. they actually took that there. Um, so yes, we played slip and putt. We played it before Dutch Courage, which meant by the time we played Dutch Courage, we were absolutely covered in lube the whole night, (laughs) which I remember, so if you're listening to us and you don't know what slip and Plut is, you're running up a mountain covered in lube to try to get the better position to play. Again, unathletic me is looking at this going, I may be here for 45 minutes. I don't know if I'm ever getting up this damn thing. Somehow I actually did and did first, which meant I got the better position. But one of the things during the practice, like Robin Ventura and I, I think we practiced exclusively from the B position. Yeah, yeah. Because we were like, being both mini golfers and her being a putt putter, we're like, we can make this shot. It's yeah. Two bounces off a corner. It's like, we just got to find the right spot. Yep. So I felt pretty good that if I didn't win, I had a good shot of getting it down there. So I wasn't afraid of that necessarily. Um, I should have been afraid of getting a concussion because I face-planted so hard a couple times, and I had shorts on. I just remember sliding down the hill, and because all the lube puddled at the bottom there, that I had slid down the hill, and just my shorts acted like a scoop. And so, yep, you get there, you're at the top, you're covered in all this stuff, you're trying to dry off your hands, and you're also trying to be very cognizant of, there's what twenty cameras on you? How many microphones? It was, it was you know, intense. You're, you're, it's a family. You know, obviously they would have cut out stuff if I had sat there and sworn. But you're trying to like again not give them stuff to necessarily use against you. Yeah. Oh yeah. On there, and I mean I did well. I think they showed me getting a two. I think I actually took a three because I got down there and just I had shorted my second put. But by that point, Madison had had like a five or a six, and so you know I knew just to play it safe. And having won that hole, I knew at least that I was going to get to a tiebreaker. Right. And so going to Dutch Courage, I was like, well, you know, worst that can happen is I play another hole and I go to a tiebreaker. But I had a little less pressure on myself at that point. And I was a little less worried. So I didn't take regret. Like I didn't try to be too aggressive with the shots. I just got through. All I wanted to do was just not get hit because my worry was if I get hit, yeah, you know, my whole game at that point is going to be off. Um, but yeah, you know, got through that, so it was cool. On to the second round, and then the last hole of that first round for the episode was. What did you
0: shoot on Dutch Courage?
1: I shot, God, um, I think it was a three because I didn't get through the windmill. I smacked the side of the windmill, and then I got down to the green and when we got down there and we knew it was like that elevated cup right on the yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. But that was like, Oh, this is basically just like playing hole 17 at rumble. Right. You know, playing the second shot. So I was in a position where I absolutely, so I nailed that shot. So I think I just took a three on that because I okay. didn't get hit by the windmill, but I definitely didn't get through. And I was lucky that the way it bounced off the windmill, I got a, a clear shot mm-hmm. through the windmill on the second time. So, you know, that ended up being good. I, Really do wish we could get access to oh the, my god to playing those. Like, all the other B roll stuff would be cool to see. Like, I ended up doing an interview with Genie Mai after playing Slip and Putt. that I would like to go see that. Uh, but I really just want to see, like, what did I look like because I that second windmill I got tagged on the butt on my way through. And I, just, <laughs> I just remember getting through it, like, doing the prairie. I was like, thank you, thank you that I didn't end up, but I just want to see the video for. For all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I was playing that. I remember wardrobe being like, well, can you like dry off? And I was like, first of all, you were the ones who made the order, of the holes. You should have thought about this. And second of all, like, can I switch into my other clothes? Because we had to have two sets of clothing. They're like, no, you got to wear those for the next. I was like, great. So I'll just stay here. It's not a, well, again, you don't see that because nobody's ever seen the film play slip it, or uh, Dutch courage but I'd like to see how gross I looked <laughs> playing that. and I'm sure that went into some of the decisions of what hole they shot to because they're trying to yeah. have continuity and things like that. Um, yeah, so the, we wrapped up the first round on, on surfer turf, which was both used so that was one of the tiebreaker holes, right because that was the one that you ended up playing the tiebreaker. Yep, and, we and had it was Tanner and Tanner and Sadie who Sadie. were in my
0: night, so I knew them from the first night of filming, and then was paired up, you know, in this in the tent waiting till the end of the night
1: to play Surfer Turf. Yeah, and Tanner was our our uh, our Ginger Fever, our Pumpkin Spice Yo Yo guy, and then uh, Sadie was a, a Nandy and bartender, and, and Tanner ended up winning that, so we're setting up the second round.
0: And they jumped in the water, which which, when when we practiced, (laughs) I suggested the idea that I might jump in the water. And someone else had said, well, I was thinking about that. And in the order that we were going, I was thinking of doing it. I think Sadie and Tanner did it first, because if you watch later in the episode, the first episode has Bob the Lumberjack versus Michael, I think it's Michael Klauser. No, the other Klauser. There's two Glauser brothers, um, and th- that Bob jumped in the water, but I think they were the ones that jumped in first. But it was sort of like an idea that came around. It's like, we're only here for a little bit of time, guys. We got to do some funny stuff on camera. But I was to the point where I'm like, I just need to focus on my game. I'm not going to jump in, but then regret it in retrospect, because maybe they would have showed- <laughs>
1: We'll yeah, well that that's true too. And then so Both we really get to,
0: kind people and and, yeah, and really fun.
1: Yeah. So we get to the second round, and so we have the distractor. So this is one where going into it, you know, we get our our email that says, you know, when to show up for the bus and everything, and the only thing they told us was it was gonna be a fifteen foot putt. So, and I think they told you guys on tee off, teed off. You didn't know you were playing tee off, and you, you had a four putt. foot putt. And we so, kind of
0: had heard from other people that that might be it. And I was like, oh, not that whole. because right. people had told us what it was that it had been there other nights. You know, sorry, producers, but people talk. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody happen. was talking about what they played. Um, you know, I didn't spoil anything for Pat. I just told him putting matters, and I did much like when I've played walkabout courses before him. I really just enjoy giving people the opportunity to experience it themselves
1: but at that point we so we obviously played around so we kind of knew what we were in for and we were smart like all right well they gave us this information let's use it and so we were in the hallway of the conference room section of the hotel and had marked off 15 and four foot and we're just putting and putting and putting and you know for all the good it ended up doing us at the end of the day Jeez. but and the producers you know, i
0: think saw us doing that there was yeah there was like all these little like clicks of us that had like formed after now we had seen a couple people go home yeah
1: yeah and people would come in and you know people we now recognized and we were going back and forth so i get up there hadn't known anything about the distractor until people started obviously playing so i was if I wasn't the last pair to go on the distractor that night, I was like next to last. So we had Mm. heard people that came through. Like we'd heard about what happened on your episode with Laurel and that amazing set of putting that had gone through. We had heard, uh, see, we had known some of the, um, you knew the Kenny G thing, right? We knew the Kenny G thing. And so somebody came
0: back to the tent because you guys were on the first half of the night. They're like, they were a little shell shocked. And they're like, uh, Kenny G was out there while we were trying to play mini golf. And yeah, that's funny. Cause, uh, that became a whole thing in that first episode. Um, and Haley Hunter, that's shocking that she lost given that she's well, like yeah. a sports reporter and like been a competitive golfer, but that's the kind of hole it is.
1: Yeah. Well, and yeah, you, because you got, I think we got a little bit of practice on there beforehand. But, you know, not a whole lot. And it was more just like, again, the 15-foot putt. Right. So, you had all this. And that's right. So, when we filmed those round, that second round, you guys were the later shift. I got in the early shift. And so, I do remember when I got up there and started playing. And I don't know if you were there, but I think Robin and a couple others, like – I you and man a couple of people had managed to get in the lie eyesight of watching from the tent. We
0: weren't supposed to. You weren't uh, supposed this to, was, but this was, this was that's okay. This, this I'm I'm a very uh disobedient person when it comes to that kind of stuff. I wanted to see what was happening. Not because I thought I would win, but because I was just fascinated with everything about the set. Um, but yeah, go on.
1: Yeah. So we go up. So, and that's, and as pairs are going out of the tent, I start talking with Diane and we start figuring out, well, there's probably a chance that we're playing against each other. And certainly we must've been the end because we eventually figured out like, oh, we're going to play. So that's learned about the MC mini masters and all that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. So we had a pretty decent relationship. We go out there and we end up with the paparazzi. And so, you know, now going into behind the scenes stuff, right? They spin the thing and on ours, they roll out this red carpet. So, we're not even putting on the surface we may have taken a couple practice shots on. It is brand new surface. It's not tacked down. In fact, the first, we, they spun it at least two, if not three times. Because the first time they came out, they stopped it. They went to roll the red carpet. It rolled about three feet. And (laughs) stop. And then, like, the second time they did it, it was, like, all off. And then the third time they finally rolled it out, they had to stop, make sure it was – like, it was just – so, on top of it being a distraction, you're way off your mark on anything. And you're just waiting. You don't know when they're going to tell you to, you know, putt one ready and all of that. And so, you know, we get up there. I think they showed us doing two putts. It was at least seven, and it might have been as many as nine times – because the first – you just didn't know. This. So the first time, we blew our putts way back. And so we're just trying to dial it in. And then we got to the point where we're, we're almost cheering each other on because and giving each other hints because we're just like, first of all, one of us needs to win. <laughs> we need to, to move it you on. You don't want to look bad because you don't know what we, how they're right. going to edit it. Exactly. So we had gotten this relationship. So at the end, you see us like hugging and cheering because we had genuinely formed a we are happy no matter what happens. At the end of it, and right, I had seen you guys, and I was bummed having not to move on and play Holy Moly, or not Holy Moly, of course. I think at the end, and we've talked about this a little bit, it actually ended up working out with the way all of us spent the rest of our time having it. So there's a good part and bad part, and I'm really excited that Diane moved on. The last two holes of the episode, we talked about log rolls. We had Kevin versus Eddie playing the log roll one, and then we had Tanner versus Brandy on, on teed off. And then we got to the final. Eddie, Diane, and Brandy all made um, Mount Holy Moly. Diane was the only one who got it into one of the three holes. Yeah. And so she had watched Eddie and Brandy kind of just hit the the trough, get the really crappy tee position yeah. kind of behind the rocks and the sand. So smart move by Diane and hitting it into the, the biggest of the holes because at the very least, he yeah. was going to be better than they were, right? So yeah. real good competitive move. Didn't try to... And they got
0: and and another behind the scenes that I was told, they got multiple attempts. So yeah. it wasn't yeah. just a one shot. I think they were trying to give them X amount of chances to get it in those holes, and then they would have to take the troth shot. And it was super random. It was like mini golf, like a pipe thing, but like on some of these pipe holes, you think, well, it's like sending it across what no. Some dude who's getting paid very little is standing yeah. and just kind of popping a ball out of a pipe and it's why it's even more weird and random. And so, yeah, Diane got a great spot.
1: Great spot. She ends up winning, which, you know, from a storyline perspective, works out amazing for the show, right? Because they had Mick win, she won. I'm sure that influenced how they ordered their episodes yeah. as well, because they aired them back to back weeks. And so, again, would I have liked to have won? Of course I would have liked to have won. I want that pu air yeah. jacket. I'd love to go back for retribution, but I was really excited. And and overall I was super excited. I didn't even talk about it. when we got to the Distractor, that's when I actually got a chance to do my interview. Yeah. Showed the website. Like yep. Regal had some pretty cool stuff to say. Like yep. and I got to the end to it and I was just like, I I I will take that. Um, and as we talk about your episode though, unfortunately, you got the other end of the, the story a little bit. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, with that episode, I thought it was a really fun one. The only thing I didn't love where they had teased it the week before and going to breaks, if you watched it live, was they're making a really big deal about Diane's age and like being a grandma. I'm sorry, Diane is in better shape than 90% of the people that played on that show. Her and Nick (laughs) run marathons. Like, Diane has energy that is just endless. I've gotten to know her more having played in the MC Mini Masters and honestly like losing to someone like that there is something about losing to someone who's just kind of not a jerk and is just the opposite of that. Diane is just like one of the most lovely people in the world and so I think we all kind of walked away with that feeling but but yeah, um That was the only negative I had about that episode is like that focus on Diane being old felt kind of tone deaf for a show that actually did a really good job with representation and identity, even when they didn't talk about it. Like, there, I was a little bummed that there were a number of people who were, you know, gay or non binary or whatever that had interesting stories and their partners were out on set and they just didn't connect the dots. And, that's. I feel like that's kind of the best place to start off talking about my episode is that they just didn't connect a lot of dots. And yeah. for those of us that went out there and knew a lot of the people, you know, it was it was a bummer not to hear it. But my episode kicks off, you know, we're over having Jeff Barber yelling, holy moly. And we go right to Dutch Courage where we had John Lepak versus Catherine Bottoms on Dutch Courage. And I'll talk a little bit more about John in a bit, but he's a golf instructor who uh, I found out later was on The Big Break, which is another reality golf show. And he played guitar against Catherine Bottoms, who these both were on my first night of filming. She's a nanny with a dog. I don't know that she had played mini golf much, but she made for good drama. They had the dog there. But unsurprisingly, John lepak who's like second generation competitive golfer who teaches golf. Won it. He did a nice little rollout after he got through the second windmill and had a little bit of flair, and he was great. Uh, and then, second hole, we went over to Caddy Smack. We had Lam Lee and Courtney Rice, and it was a bud tender versus security guard. And they made a big deal about Lam Lee selling weed. I found out later that he was on some reality dating show, and I would put money on it that Courtney, much like a lot of the people, they're like, oh, they're just a bartender of this. And In many cases, they'll put like, oh, they're from California or they'll put where they're originally from. But a lot of these people were just answering casting calls because they frankly needed people. Evan Michael was out on set because they needed extras and he was out there every night and finally got to play on the last night because that's when I first met Evan. He had to hang out our whole night until they told him, yeah, we're not going to need you. We don't need a backup because people weren't showing up and some people in one case left. Uh, If you see Joni who uh, is from Kentucky. She didn't even get a first round match because the person she was playing against, they had moved their time like they had with all of us. And they're just like, I'm not coming back. And they didn't have someone to replace them with. So yeah, so Lamb and Courtney played caddy smack. They did a lot in the lead up. And then they just kind of jumped ahead to the putting and you didn't really get to see it all. But Lamb Lee won. And then we get to uh, my very, 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 very quick result over on Surfer Turf. They're like, and on Surfer Turf, Tom Loftus, you know, mini golf guru Tom Loftus, shows the right moves and getting over into over this long bridge on Surfer Turf. And, you know, they show me winning it and falling into the sand, made fun of my dancing, which I wasn't doing. I was just anxious, you know, against Jordan Rubin. But they didn't even mention his name. I don't think it ever came up that they had mentioned his name. It was kind of a bummer because obviously... That's, this is no. a tiebreaker hole. Uh, we'd already played that first night and we started out in Dutch courage. I was nervous. I went out there as someone not very competitive I was playing with my rubber covered putter and so was Robin I was playing by blue bought purchased uh, rubber putter and Jordan plays Dutch Courage first and he gets it all the way through and I'm like oh my god so I I think I think he went first but I was just standing over the ball. I could be wrong. And Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong. Forever. I took so long. They said putt when ready, which is what we say in this episode. But they also told us when we were ready to be okay to film. And I hit it and it got all the way through. And I was like, oh, my God. And I went through those windmills, made it through without any penalties. And I was about, I don't know. I wasn't that far away, but I was pretty close. And Jordan had the next putt and he missed it pretty badly and it rolled back like 12 feet and he had a putt again and I put in I was close or no he went in and he was in in three and so I I think that's what it was I can never remember the order but I missed my second putt on that like angled thing and so all of a sudden now I have to take my third putt from the side and at an angle and I was like "Mm, maybe I'll just lay up well Jordan who ended up 12 feet out himself for his like third putt just crushes it in. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. Now now all of a sudden I'm not going to be moving on. I stood over the next putt, the third putt forever. And I know that that moment sticks with me so much. I was so nervous. I'd been losing sleep. I just was like, oh my God. And I was like, okay, focus. This is about fun. Just try to stop shaking and look up and somebody is holding a huge picture of my face. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Just take the putt. <laughs> and I hit it in. And I tied. And I knew the most important thing was I was going to play three holes. That was it. Did interview Jeannie Mai. I don't remember anything after making that putt. That might have been the reason why I got really into competitive mini golf later. There was no more of a greater and more satisfying thing to be down where you have to make that putt and you make it. And then we played... Slip and Putt later that night, and I'm like, I'm going to be back one more night. I'm not going to be sitting around in California for a week. We were like the third or fourth group out on slip and putt. For whatever reason, it wasn't that lubed up. Jordan ran up, broke no stride. Straight I remember
1: up. remember you telling me that, yeah.
0: And I barely slipped, but I was in the B position. And I think I even grabbed the side of the thing, but it didn't matter at that point. He'd already broken the stride, so just wanted to get up there and not like eat it i didn't need to be covered any more lube than i did so i'm in the b position and i was like oh crap now he's got a chance to win this pretty easily you know the first putt is way easier in that first position inexplicably he missed it a couple people did it and i was just like what happened jordan like and i was in the b position played the angle and got it all the way around and it sat right on the edge before going over. So it sat right on that crappy whatever stuff. So I had to tap down for two and he had to tap down for two. I was a little bit closer, but he was further out. So he went next and he missed it. And I had like slid down when I'd slid down. I had, you know, you're just covered in that lube. And I was like immediately like, oh, I'm going to like go into it and, you know, and like kick my legs up. Like I'm going down a big like slide and... It was like, that was stupid. I'm just covered in so much of this lube. <laughs> and I told the story to Rick Baird and Vinette. And the way I said it, they're like, that is the most weird retelling of a story.
1: Well, and, yeah, I forgot that they made you slide down when you were done, too. Because I must have just like wiped that from my brain. Right. So if you weren't covered in lube going up, you were definitely going to get covered going definitely. down.
0: Definitely. And so I was so nervous. Again, I had so much nervous energy. I go to the crowd of these paid audience people. And that were like cheering on and stuff. And I just like started kind of like swiping the lube off of my backside onto the crowd. Because the crowd was already like, I'd seen my face. They were like a bunch of maniacs. They knew your name because someone had fed it to them, which I found out later. But there was someone holding up the face of me again. When we were at the top of where I made that next putt and I was nervous about it. And I was like, yeah, and I pointed down to that person. And then the person takes the big cut out of my head and licks it. And I was like, this is amazing. This is just completely weird. I might be on drugs, but I just need to go into it. So when I had that third pot, I did like a Muhammad Ali dance around the ball and like really like got showy because I needed to like I need to get rid of all the nervous energy. And I stepped in and hit it, and I couldn't have been more exuberant afterwards. But I was having a blast with Jordan, who's super nice. And yeah, and so I knew I was coming back. And when you guys came on, I was like, I'm still alive. But this had all happened before you had arrived. And so we went over to Surfer Turf, and I'm like, all I have to do is tie. I don't need to win. I just need to tie to win this. And then we get to the big Surfer Turf, which is on the arch, you know, the area where Arch Tree -tree 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 Golf is. And all of a sudden, you have to take a real golf swing to get the ball over behind your head on this random thing. And we went to practice that like we had on the others. I didn't get close to landing on the other side at all. I could not swing a golf, make a golf swing for my life. I could barely make a putting swing. And in practice, I kept missing it. And they didn't say we could hit over the bridge. But they're like, okay, because I went first. So like, okay. Next person. And I put my ball down really quick and I just took a shot over the bridge and I made it. And I'm like, okay, if I get in this position, I'll do it. Stepped up to that hole, knew that I didn't hit it, was nervous. And what they did is they gave a lot of chances on Surfer turf for at least one person to get over at some point, like go back and forth, kind of like on they did a Mount Holy Moly. So they don't just show people like eating it. Well, Jordan got it over but hit it in the sand but I missed it two or three times badly badly Um, and then I hit it over the bridge what they did though in the editing is they made it look like I made it in two I tied Jordan on that hole in five I hate admitting (laughs) it I went over into the sand uh, on the first and then I hit it way out and Jordan just kept missing two and when I hit that in it was pure relief. I had not slept much that whole weekend. Had been f- filmed on Friday and got there on Wednesday and wasn't sleeping at all. So I was almost a week into like sleep deprivation. When that went in, I was, uh, like I that was like a natural reaction. And when I looked up, like I was very emotional. I was very tired. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm this is on TV. What the hell am I doing?" Just like <laughs> get it back together. You just won. We we're moving on. Yeah, I, I was ecstatic. I came home and I couldn't sleep. I, I barely slept that weekend. Robin and I went and played mini golf the whole next day and thought I would eventually get sleep. And no, I didn't sleep. I, you know, I was just stoked to move on. And then was kind of a little saddened, honestly, by the end of the night because I knew our friend Randy Rice had lost. And I, other people, I was like, oh, Joey Prime is not going on. All these other people, I was like, Oh, this has an end in sight, which was kind of a bummer. But that was my experience. Then we go to Teed Off, which we'll get to later, and they inexplic. And so, in mine no intro. It was a quick whatever. They go to Carlos Graham and Satchel a kiss fan who missed a mini golf tournament by sleeping in, and someone who clearly worked at Top Golf. And for whatever reason, on Teed Off, not only doing intros but they showed two people missing three putts. And in the case of Seisha, four putts on teed off. Inexplicably. It's the only time they did it in the entire season. It was kind of the most embarrassing thing, honestly, for any of the players, just just the way they edited that. And Carlos Graham won and Seisha fell in, but it was just kind of a weird thing. And then they jumped to the next hole on slip and putt with Laurel against, I don't even know that woman's name that she played. That she beat. I don't think she went oh, out of right. my night. Uh, I think she was out of no, your night. Uh,
1: that was our night, and it was Yeah, and that was an interesting situation too, because she had some mobility problems. I and did So that. they had made some accommodations on that whole I do and remember I can't remember the woman's name, but yeah, they didn't didn't give her anything. From a it, intro perspective.
0: Including her name. And yeah. they kind of mentioned Laurel and That was it. Um, And they get to her later, fortunately. And then they jump to uh, Jeffrey Barber and Janelle Rowe. And again, one of the few times they show Sweet Spot, Jeffrey wins on it. Janelle, they barely showed her. She just kind of like didn't play it very well. And it it wasn't really actually a fun watch. Um, We had seen holes spinning like that. And I had seen Sweet Spot when I was filming stuff. So I was really excited just about like the set pieces. I was like playing around with them when I was waiting to get interviewed. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just... You know, as someone that we design mini golf courses, I want to know what stuff's made of. Um, but yeah, we're on to the second round, including me. It kicks off in wild fashion. Uh, Laurel's playing Lamb, the bud tender. And they give Laurel an intro where they talk about her doing weather for the Navy and playing competitive mini golf through the Navy. I think she teaches as well. She's very well-accomplished golfer and putter. And their distractor that they end up with is people jumping rope called Double Dutch Courage, which is kind of funny. Um, wasn't it? No. They were Double no, Dutch.
1: They were Double Dutch. It wasn't Double Dutch Courage until season two. Season two.
0: But you see Lamb step up and you're like, well, you know, Laurel's just going to clean up with him. And as I would mentioned earlier in the season, when Holly Hunter lost to uh, or Haley Hunter lost to Holly Fine. Anything could happen on the distractor. And it did. Lamb sinks the first putt. You're like, oh, what's happening to Laurel here? And then she matches him. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And then Lamb misses the next and Laurel sinks it. And you're like, wow. Like, that's I, um, super impressive.
1: Almost positive that's not, that is, that was shots one and two. Like, there, it wasn't edited to, like, wow. do this. Like, I'm pretty, I'm almost positive she made those back to back.
0: And yeah, Laurel's just super impressive. And so, as I'm watching my episode at my viewing party, which I'm already like, oh, I didn't get an intro and it was really fast and I'm, didn't get to see any of those wins or how it, uh, was played out in that first round, they'd go over to teed off and they already done an intro on it. And I kind of knew they might not do much. And they get there, they show John make it and me miss. And that's my episode. I'm in there for like a minute. And I think for me, I, you can kind of see me step out and look and I'm like, I'm soaking in the moment. John's kind of going out there. I'm stepping up there having known a, you had lost, which I was bummed about. Randy had lost the previous night, earlier that night, Robin Ventura, who we'd become friends with, had lost and even more awful is that my wife had finished before me and had lost and honestly was worried just how she was doing with it because I think you know, all of us were worried about it when it's your partner and you're kind of going through this experience we played almost the same holes she had played Dutch Courage and Slip and putt and completely cleaned up on the Joker they gave her. And they gave her, fortunately, the big intro included me in our story, which was great. But I was just worried about that. So I'm the last of the night on Seed Off, the last person to have ever played it. I had seen everybody go. And that night when they had the semifinals, it was the person who went first made it. And the person who went second missed it. Almost every time. The one where that wasn't the case was the episode Colin McCarthy wins where I believe he was playing Matthew the bearded guy. They both missed. And I remember Colin McCarthy, who is a super talented golfer, looking shell-shocked even though he had won when he came down. He's like, that thing breaks. And we did not get a practice on teed off. We were just standing above there. I don't think any of us thought about how this thing was hanging. I wouldn't have known anyways. I hit the cup lipped it out you know i missed it john's a better putter than me he was going to beat me any day really a fantastic dude but yeah i was out and so our second yeah, and i had stuck
1: around because i was in the morning so they were like the bus was going back to the hotel and i was like well can i just stay here because at this point yeah. they didn't care if i like watched a bunch of stuff because i was already out and they're like well, I guess you could stay if you want to hang out here. And so then I was like watching everybody go oh, through and it, yeah, it was like the dominoes falling. I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> like this sucks.
0: It's, it was, it was pretty awful. And I, when I went down having already known that Robin had lost. So part of it is you had to throw your putter after you went in and mine had sentimental value. And I thought I'm when they get dropped in, I'm going to swim down and get Robin's putter as some sort of whatever, you know, it was like, make it part of our story. And, you know, they had been asking about her backstory. We were getting married a month from then. So I thought it'd been a fun story. I tried to swim all the way <laughs> down, got dropped in and realized it is super cold and just got out. But I, I, yeah, it was just kind of like in a daze, and I remember being pretty bummed out when I got back to the hotel and yeah, we'll tell that story in a sec. But yeah, then we went on to log roll, which was kind of messy where Jeffrey Barber mm. be Carlos. Carlos t- really just slapping at the ball. Again, I don't blame anybody. People are nervous. Um, a lot, a lot of course,
1: marshal like, course, course, Marshall Joe on that, yeah. that whole,
0: <laughs> a, a ton of that. So then, Jeffrey winning lines up Jeffrey, uh, Barber, John Lepak, and Laurel Gill, three people who've played golf professionally to finish off our episode. By far, like the distribution of like competitive players, that was the weirdest. Like the, I had followed John, having met him on Instagram. And so when I went up against him, I already knew he was like good. He was like doing tips videos and I, I met Jeffrey later on, but I knew Laurel also had a pretty extensive history with golf, too. And, yeah, they all played Mount Holy Moly, and I think they're the only episode where they all got in one of the things. They all got a pretty good spot on the green, you know, between 10 and 6 feet away. But Jeffrey was one of two people that fell in the water from the zip line. The first one, Alexis, earlier in the season, just let go. She's the only person who... It was her own fault. Jeffrey, who we thought was going to get a penalty, you can see in the replay, he was the very, very, very last person on the zip line at Mount Holy Moly that year, and it broke. So they didn't penalize him. And so that made all the difference because he goes in on his first putt, so he's in on two. Laurel goes in on her putt, again, matching. She's in. And John, who had a best position of all three... Missed like about a six or seven foot putt. Not that a lot of people didn't do that already though too. I mean, it's a lot of pressure and they went last last. So they were filming that at like three 30 in the morning. So then we go to another playoff where it's Laurel versus Jeffrey. And this time I believe Laurel went second and did not match. Correct. And that's the episode. And Jeffrey Barber wins it. And I had a viewing party and I didn't watch it in real time. Cause I was just like, oh, this is like the worst. Like I'd sent them photos and videos and had this whole experience where they're filming weird thing where I'm signing autographs with like paid audience folks. And it was just kind of a trip. And then I watched the episode and it was like barely like recognized. And so I, I can feel for all the people and, season one who they don't mention even by name that lost in the first round or the handful of us that made it to round two that they didn't do a bio on. They didn't do that much in the future. I think there was only one person in season two that didn't get a bio that made it to the to the second round. Yeah, uh, that was just kind of a bummer to watch that publicly. Like the experience of watching it the first time was kind of awful for me, uh, to be perfectly honest and weirdly like the con contextualizing my experience felt very weird after that um and it's why i think i've talked about it i went out to see season two filmed because i needed to like re reor- like reorient my brain from the experience and it helped, weirdly helped a lot and it got me on a bunch of episodes that i'll mention later um in weird ways but um, in that trip, I actually, going back out there, got to meet Jeffrey Barber because I didn't meet him in the filming along with a bunch of the other people. And I got to try in the jacket from the episode, which was fun. And we tied in a round at Castle Golf and, or not, Castle Park, where we all had played. Um, so that was good. But the the real experience of it that I think a lot of us talk about was just getting to know each other and Pat, like, that that day after. We all do. I've got a photo of you, me, Robin, my wife, Robin Ventura, Randy Rice, who'd all kind of become friends. And we're all mini golf fanatics. We're all sitting there like, now what? In the hot tub at a hotel in Santa Clarita with great weather, but all pretty bummed out and fairly sad. We like got breakfast and then what happened?
1: Well, and then we did what anybody would do in that situation. we go play a buttload of mini golf. And so we all filed in the car that you guys had. And we ended up... Where did we go first? So we went to... Uh, Castle Park. Castle there Park. That's right. We played that first. And then we went over to... Bar 19 was after. Was Bar there anything between that? We just played the no. one.
0: We went to Bar 19, which is a pop-up course
1: that you right. knew about
0: from a Kickstarter. And then we went to get Dim Sum...
1: Oh, well, yeah, at the end, but we didn't play anything like we played Castle Park, which was the regular mini both golf courses course. though, we played both courses, two of the three, yep. right, and then right we bar nineteen was a pop up that was a swinger style, and that was fun because I think we were the only people there for a yep. little while. They had a little bar, we took a bunch of absolutely <laughs> ridiculous pictures that will the never be
0: shared. There was definitely <laughs> drinking involved. And it's That's, funny because after Evan Rundgren lost, him and Aaron Kaminsky from O Street, who was out there for the filming of that, went over with uh, one of the other players from your night and played Bar 19 as well. And I think there's an O Street video out there. And you can see how bleary eyed they are and how much the, right. the booze is flowing.
1: Then we go to dinner. Then we, we meet up with dim sum. Evan. So we meet up with Evan Michael. And, and then Randy go- Rice
0: and I took putts across Hollywood Boulevard uh, trying to make it into the gutter on the, the gutter. opposite yep. side of it. And then Evan Michael's like, you got to go. You got to join me. I got this place, this bar. You just got to check it out. And we're like, OK, we're we are all sleep deprived. We've been filming late, late at night. We are up early because none of us could really sleep we're like, OK. We're going to push through alcohol and, you know, for most everybody else except for me driving uh, was like holding everything together. And then we get to uh, we get to the bar.
1: It's a buzz piece. And a- there's well, you guys. So you go up and Evan's a big hockey fan, too. So the bouncer at the bar is a hockey fan. You guys end up going mm-hmm. up. I end up in a conversation with the bouncer about the LA Kings and the Bruins for some reason. So I got to catch up to you guys. And there is... The most ridiculous IP blacklight free mini golf in this bar, which was had to, it was just the perfect capper, right? Because it like it played the way you would expect a black law, a black light, like thrown together mini golf in a bar in LA to play. And we had the best time wrapping it up there. It was just, it was great. I love the pictures, but yeah, it was all like. Don't show anybody any copyright notices for that that particular no, place. I think it's
0: gone. We played it again next year.
1: Uh, uh, it's a bummer. To hear. I
0: won the I won a group round for an O Street video that was very drunken, and I don't think ever will get to see the light of day. Um, but I grabbed the cup of uh, the 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 flag holder thing as like my trophy from it. But we went out there uh, with Evan uh, Evan Rundgren or Evan Michael again, and. Yeah. That was just it was so cathartic. Much fun.
1: It was what we needed. I mean, at the end Ooh. it felt and, and you know, and we're going along. So earlier when you had played the tiebreaker night, me and Robin and Robin and and Molly, now Hughes, went out and played Montasia. And so we had gotten to know Molly. So when we were right. out doing all this that was the night of the finals so we were getting like updates and i think we facetimed molly while she was out that we facetimed somebody I was pretty we sure it was left molly. a message
0: for molly because <laughs> we think we had her number because you guys had coordinated with her to go right. play mini golf and she didn't know anybody and she was the other person that i'd met and i was like i don't think she knows anybody and she's just so sweet and we all had left her this like voicemail like molly you got to do it go win it And she did it. And I remember her saying later that it just meant so much. And for us, we were just, we were just so thrilled because, you know, there were other results that were coming in and we were just bummed out to hear like Evan didn't win it for O street. And the guy that did win that episode was one of the less kind people. I would say (laughs) he was just like, not very generous to people. And, um, kind of a douchebag. Like, I know that's mean to say, but he just was. And it was like an outlier. And so knowing that Molly won was just kind of huge. And we knew, I think we, I don't know if we found out if Mick and Diane won, but I think we had an inkling... That they might
1: have won. We might have us. found out the next day. They they were pretty close-lipped on what both. I, I mean, other it wasn't hard to figure. Place. Yeah, it wasn't hard to to get to the info. But I, I seem to remember that might have been a next day thing. But it, yeah, I think with all of that and finding out and just having an opportunity to to decompress with the thing that we were all out there for was yeah. a benefit. I think it would. Yeah. Know, who knows where it would have been if we all had to get on a plane the next day and kind of stew in our own sauces as we flew back across the country.
0: Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was just like a weird, yeah, it was just like a weird experience, lost a lot of weight and, you know, just like very big ups and downs, got to know a lot of people and met Aaron Kaminsky out there and became friends with him and went to the masters and hung out and just told Aaron, you make it on Holy Moly, invite me as your friends and family. I'll get out there and I'll figure it out. And I had a new job and I had some time off. So I went out there and I went out there the first night to kind of get the lay of the land with friends and family. And they threw Evan and I in the background of Aaron's episode, it's applesauce time, as like weird CIA security people, like our producers were that knew us. They're like, jump through come on in and gotta watch it and gotta see Aaron win. And, And you know, there's nothing more exciting than seeing new friends win on a whole and knowing that they're moving on. I'm like, well, I wanna see more, but they're not I'm not really gonna can watch stuff if I do it this family and friends route so I kind of like looked around figured out how you do it and some people and they're like if you really want we need people because lots of people didn't want to be paid audience people because early in March uh, 2020 people are like a little less they're a little bit more wary about being in a large group of people um go figure. There was this thing coming up. (laughs) So I went out there and I just like waited and signed up for all these time slots and got to watch. And I got to see Aaron win on the hole where he got set on fire. And then I unfortunately got to see him lose on the porta potty hole, but just kept like showing up. And I'm like, I just want to watch. And if you watch a bunch of the episodes of season two, I'm in there. But weirdly, there was an experience where I signed up for notifications where they're like, we need people to test out this stuff where you get hit by obstacles and all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'll do this. And I didn't get called, didn't get called. And then they're finally like, okay, show up this day at like 11. And I got to like go through the battery of things, made the, made the jump on the shark, which was so much fun. Got to see the whole, got to practice the lag putt that they didn't really show on that same hole. Got electrocuted. Uh, which was an experience. It's uh, Those dog collars, shock collars are real and hurt. I can't imagine putting after that. We got to run through the windmills, which was such, like all that, like I got to just sit inside the windmill and look at it. And that for me was like, okay, this thing happened. I went through a windmill. It like felt really good. And then they're like, who wants to stay here late and do this thing? You're going to get wet. I don't know when we're going to send you home. And with everything, there was a whole group of us bunch of people you know actors and they're like i don't need to be here any longer been here 11 hours i'm like sign me up i don't care what it is and so they're like okay you don't mind getting wet yeah it's fine whatever and i'll just wear this mini golf is for everyone shirt and my pants and you know go out there it's not that cold um wasn't that bad and so they're like okay here's like the hole you're playing it's like oh it's like mount holy moly but now it's a plinko thing cool (laughs) And I'm like, okay, like, what putter am I going to use? They're like, here, use this. I'm like, okay, I hit it up. Now what? Like, just go up and top, you know, there's like this zipline thing. And it's like, okay, it'll be like, yeah, it's like, I'm going to get the experience. Like, I won my episode. And they're like, okay. So I was the first person that was not a stunt person to test it. So I'm like, just, it's got its own motor and it's going to send you down. I'm like, okay. Uh, you know, there's going to be a fire that goes off and then they're going to send you. I'm like, okay. And it just took a while and took a while. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, go. I'm like, okay, I, is there not going to be a test? And I'm like, okay. And it zips off. And I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> like In the moment, just terrified. And I didn't let go. And they told you if you didn't let go, it's going to pull back. And you saw later in season two with Stefan Alford's brother that when he landed on it, that it pulled it back and he landed it. Well, when it yanked me back, because again, this is motorized, and we're talking like at a good speed. This is not what you your zipline you would normally go on. It yanks me back, and I lose grip of one of my hands, and I'm trying to get it back on. I'm trying to get it back on, but I am on one side of the handlebars, cockeyed, flying back at this pole sticking twenty feet out of the ground, and I just Superman fly past it, missed it, but no stakes. And yeah, when I watched cares. when I watched the videos later of people just taking it on the nose and talking to Marnie about her injuries and other people from the injuries from it, I was like, woof. But when I wiped out, there was a guy who's a producer who's wearing a Who's the Boss set set jacket. And I was like, Why do you have that? He's like, Oh, I worked at the show. It's like, Well, that's cool. He's like, dude, he's like, That wipeout was amazing. I was like, Yeah, it was pretty fun. I left that night, like, this is great. Gotta watch like the end of the season. And I knew it was happening all of season two because I, you can see me right. watching Tanner make the shot and I'm like, Pat, we need to do something. This is a, like, they got the things right. It's like a cohesive story. We're going to see a lot of different holes. Let's, let's do something. We're stuck in this pandemic. I'm not going to tell you what happened. And I'd kind of know like some of the beats let's, let's do a podcast. Cause, but for me, it just like, yeah, just getting to like play some more holes contextualize the experience it was just yeah it was just awesome it felt real and that again all those spots on set were the best and the weirdest like great moment of watching the show was during the pandemic seeing myself flying by that post (laughs) and that moment was there and I was just like great like I would have loved to tell my story and get a see videos of what happened season one, like when I won and when I made that big putt. But that, that experience like was nice, but ultimately like it came down to like, this is, that is the reason that whole experience is a reason. And losing is the reason why we have the podcast that the AMA exists that I've gotten to do things with you, Aaron Kaminsky. Like if you just like extended out And you go to like the Christmas Carol kind of thing that I mentioned a long time ago when we started this and trying to not talk about it too much, which I did a lot when it was on and why we did the podcast in the first place is that it really is like this major moment where I'm like competitive mini golf. I get it now. I hadn't got it before, but it can be really great, but it needs to be something different. And, that's the you know holy moly i think opened the door for myself and a lot of others who are like competitive mini golf can be fun and engaging and inviting and inclusive and now we're here recording our 71st episode
1: yeah <laughs> yeah there's that well and it did it did what i hoped it was going to do right yes. in that it put mini golf in competitive in some respect but it it put it much more in a cultural discussion and the amount of people who were like, Oh yeah, I've seen that show. Or when I was talking to the the master at the dojo, one of the other dads was like, Oh, you were on that? Like my kid and I watched all the first two seasons when it came out. And so I know there's a lot of people in the serious competitive space that (sighs) were naysayers to put it nicely. Yeah. And honestly they just didn't get what, it could have been and you're like you said like for us personally it has turned a lot of stuff but it's not just like okay we've got all these things but I'd like to think and it seems like we have with creating the AMA that because of holy moly we are at a place where people more engage with the competitive side of the sport they feel part of a broader community we've got things like walkabout which I'm sure would have you know it definitely would have existed without holy moly but you can see some of the through lines of where mini golf can go and so you know we talk a little bit about there's 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 never been a final word on whether or not they're doing other seasons or it's truly canceled we'll see what comes out of netflix but i think at the end of the day we both joined up saying like well this is an opportunity and i remember i talked to randy rice about this cuz he had done reality you know he was on who wants to be a millionaire he had his history channel show before and it was like well randy should i do this like i'm not a tv person and he was like look it if you do it, you're going to try to format it in a way that makes it for the betterment of the sport. So absolutely go on it. And I was like, well, that, yes. And I think at the end of the day, it did.
0: Mm -hmm. I remember the thing with the producers where they were trying to make it a little bit more antagonistic and all of this, and maybe why I got a lot of stuff cut out. They wanted me to be this more like arrogant, confident person. And I'm like rooting for Jordan, who I was playing with. I kept talking about our ethos of mini golf is for everyone from a couple of putts and talked about how the game just is inclusive, can be played by everybody. And the show really kind of showed that and the best possible ways. I, they didn't highlight that necessarily as much right away, but the larger picture of it is like anybody can do this and sure. people gravitated to it. And it's why mini golf does well. And it's been a weird Renaissance for the game that, in the last couple of years has really, really grown in popularity. And those of us that have been covering it for a while, we used to go to courses and they were just empty and not busy, but like Instagram, the rise of like taking photographs in front of big things and COVID weirdly, they all helped with providing an opportunity for the game to grow in this weird environment. And, We've documented that a lot on the on the show, and holy moly, just kind of came at the right time. Whether or not the show has jumped the shark, um, again making a reference to our season two, our first season of the show, which was called "We're Going to Need a Bigger Windmill," a Jaws reference, which I also knew when we came up with that name. I already played the shark <laughs> hole you know spoiler alert there's lots of that stuff that i think initially i didn't talk about cuz i was like well maybe they'll have us back on it's like they won't they're not going to have people back on and here's the thing i would love that i would love to i would love to test everything under the sun throw whatever you want at me i want more people to have this experience out there they're not going to they're not doing through lines of people you know they didn't connect the dots between me and my wife they didn't connect the dots between lots of other siblings, you know, partners and all of that across the seasons. And that's fine. That's not the show that they're trying to make. They're trying to make like wipeout and, you know, competition. And being out there on season two, they were prodding people to talk a little bit more trash. And I think that's what folks making reality TV do. Uh, You know, they work on Holy Moly, and then they go out and they work on some pretty you know, and work on some pretty terrible programs (laughs) that like I have opinions about, but I won't get into. I just, it's not my thing. I would rather watch well-scripted drama than like putting people in emotionally perilous positions where in some cases they can't let it go. You know, it's kind of like their identity that they were the person that was like the first person thrown off the bachelor or the one guy in Survivor who was from Boston that only thing I think I know about him... or There's something about a guy in Boston and there was also something about a guy in Survivor that did something untoward that got caught. It's like, that's a terrible sort of legacy to leave behind for some mediocre TV that, honestly, none of this stuff has, like, really long legs. Like, most people... Like, we forgot about some of the season when we were exchanging, like... (laughs) Like, I forgot that this whole existed. Like, that's... These these shows are just sort of like reality TV shows are just mostly fluff. No one's going to care about The Golden Bachelor in two years. No one's right. going to care about any of this stuff. But, like, the legacy of the show is... There's a lot of people who've become good friends from it. There's people that we met that have nothing to do with mini-golf, that stayed in touch with each other, that... Comment each other's social media stuff, and that's that's more important than anything else. Like all those people that I met w- winning that twenty five thousand dollars in retrospect for winning the episode would have been nice, but I I honestly wouldn't take it uh over the experiences that I gotta have the last almost five years now. But yeah, so we're way over time. As <laughs> so <is>, for <finished. laughs> Go to sponsors. Is, is is uh yeah. I'll I'll let I'll let Pat take uh, the sponsors here quick.
1: All right. So as we mentioned before, we've got our, our big sponsor here of both the AMA and of the podcast, and that is Walkabout Mini Golf, which is by far our favorite virtual reality game and virtual reality mini golf game. Um, they recently had a new course that came out on December 7th, which is a partnership with Meow Wolf, which um, it is really impossible to spoil anything for that particular course because it is just a wonderful trip through some amazing designs, interesting gameplay. It's definitely the one where Walkabout has taken the most liberty with being in a virtual space and applying that to mini golf, uh, which some people will love. Some people may not find as interesting as some of their other courses, which are a little bit more locked to in real life type courses. Um, So either way, though, they've got so many courses that are out there, depending on what your wants of play and needs of thematic uh, items, I love that there's two different kind of Halloweenish ones with original gothic and widow's walkabout, but there's a style out there for everybody. Um, it's a great time now, especially with the Oculus Three coming out to invest in some virtual reality. Both the headsets, the are relatively decently priced, especially compared to things like the PS Five and the Xbox and stuff like that. The game's pretty decently priced. So if you have the Oculus or any of the other PS, you know VR, and don't have the game, hey, you know there's there's still a few days to, to ask for a virtual code for. Christmas, if you celebrate that, Yule like in two days or, you know, just a, hey, let's get into 24 and have a good time gift. It's out there and we want to thank them for another great year here at the podcast.
0: Yes, it's 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 a godsend in the winter months. And uh, yeah, you know, you also now have some, if you haven't already watched some Holy Moly, you have that and we could go through a lot of people's names that we've met on the show i made this whole list just watch season one and two there's some really fun people on it there's going to be a lot of results on the show that seem like they're sped up or cut up and they are we already told you that so enjoy it for what it is and for mini golf to have a budget to make things that it couldn't in real life um but i'm gonna let pat
1: and if you do watch season three or four. Yeah. Or the Australian one, you can go back into our back library and listen to it's our true. episodes talk about it. So it's all out there.
0: And it'll get there because season three and four, they're using some images from it for the previews on right. Netflix. You'd hope they would eventually get there. But uh, shout out to our season three and four folks who were the only two seasons of the show that didn't really get a full live audience experience like we yeah. did. Uh, season two got it because they wrapped just before COVID, but three and four. It was a weird experience and there's a reason why the Muppets are involved because <laughs> you need to do something when you can't bring in like an audience to make it seem like it's a competition with people there that are trying, trying to cheer on all of the players.
1: Speaking of Muppets, it's going to bring us to Big Thoughts mini golf. And because in coming up with my Big Thoughts, I immediately go to figure out something from Muppets Christmas Carol, given the time of year and the fact that I just watched it like two nights ago. And then I remembered I did the exact same thing for our episode this time last year. And to that, I say, who cares? Like a good mini golf. Of course, this movie can return to you again and again and again. Even if you're not a Christmas celebrator, it's a fun movie. Michael Caine gives an absolutely epic Oscar-winning performance, and so to holy moly, I say in the words of Rizzo the Rat, "Thank you for making me a part of this." And so, have a great end of the year to our mini golf family, and we will talk to you all as we go into the new year. We've got some great episodes lined up going into our competitive seasons and um great folks we're going to talk to great themes to talk about and we're excited to k- to keep this train running and with that we're at the 19th hole so until next time put one ready